The Sporting Views is brought to you by Four Seam Leadership, a group of executives, speakers, and coaches dedicated to helping individuals and organizations find greatness. Learn more at fourseamleadership.com. That's the number four, seamleadership.com. Welcome to the debut edition of The Sporting Views. Great to have you with us. My name is Tom Glasgow alongside former big league pitcher Bill Kruger. Bill, this is exciting because I don't know if uh, most folks are, are aware of this. We are one of the first 10 podcasts in history. So this is exciting. People need more podcasts. Here we are fulfilling a societal need. So we're, we're excited about that public service. Yeah, pioneers, groundbreakers. You know, pioneers, pushing the envelope. I like that. That's who we are. Well, we, <laughs> for folks that don't know exactly who we are, and first of all, shame on them. Really? Uh, let, let's both talk a little bit about our background. So why, why don't you take it off? Uh, take us uh, in that direction, uh, starting with your your humble beginnings in Oregon. <laughs> okay, well there you go. Uh, I uh, went to high school in McMinnville, Oregon. Uh, played for a, for some great coaches there that really molded my and shaped my my life and my career. And I was able to, uh, through hard work and a little bit of luck and a great high school basketball coach, land a full ride basketball scholarship to the University of Portland, where I played uh, four years there as a starting guard. And uh, be, because of a uh, mom that just loved baseball and some persistent pushing by the baseball coach, University of Portland, I ended up playing baseball after my second year. And uh, had a lot of uh, fun there and played only first base. And uh, how, how I landed in professional baseball is it's a story of its own, but five tryouts and uh, being sort of at the end of my rope and having one more chance, I signed with uh, Medford, a rookie team for the Oakland A's. And two years later, I was pitching in the big leagues and uh, ended up uh, having a career of about 13 years. And uh, post my baseball career. I have been involved with uh, Mariner Broadcasting and broadcasting uh, regionally for uh, Fox and Prime and now Root Sports for uh, basketball as well. And uh, I've just uh, loved uh, the broadcasting experiences, whether it's been radio or television, uh, for a very long time since I retired. And it's allowed me to have, uh, you know, this feeling that I'm still in the game. So uh, uh, really uh, relish the opportunity to be uh be in the business. You know, as we go back to your, your time at the University of Portland, I, I've never asked you as a two sports star there, were you more Bo Jackson or Deion Sanders? <laughs> I think it's uh, somewhere down down the list, you know, that uh, can't run and jump and, and lift <laughs> or do any of those superstar things that those guys could do. They were genuine off the chart athletes. But, uh, you know, I just grew up being a multi-sport athlete. That was second nature to me. I mean, I never really, I mean, I got there and I, and I was really focused on basketball, but I've always just uh, really uh, loved the fact that games and sports change with the season and that uh, I got to have this uh, chance to play baseball again. And it was just, you know, what a, what a great, great thing it, it ended up being. I got to live and breathe my dream as a basketball player to play division one college basketball and play on some great teams and, play with three guys that were drafted in the NBA and have some 
big winning seasons with some great players and then be able to transition over and play baseball and and without anybody's thought, including my own, that I would eventually play in the major leagues. That was just beyond conception. So uh, I don't really think of myself that way. I, I do think of myself as a good, well-rounded athlete, though, and, uh, and I, I'm a big believer in that. You know, ironically, I consider myself the same way, but it's factually <laughs> inaccurate. Um, so I'll, I'll give everybody a little brief background on me. Uh, yes, I, I began my right. I began my uh, my broadcasting career when disco was still thriving. So I date myself <laughs> right there. Uh, I've worked in both radio and TV. I've done everything from hosting talk shows uh, on the radio, on television. Uh, two years doing some play-by-play for the Vancouver Grizzlies before they were uprooted and moved to Memphis. Uh, Pac-10, Pac-12, West Coast Conference, currently Big Sky uh, football in the fall, which will not be uh, taking place. So th- there's the uh, the uh, brief version of a, a very, <laughs> very long career. So let's dive into it, Bill. And speaking of college football, so the, the big news this week, uh, Pac-10, excuse me, Pac-12 and the Big Ten making the call to uh, fold up shop and uh, hopefully play some spring football. Meanwhile, we still have three of the Power Fives moving forward, the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12. What was your initial reaction just to the word that uh, the Pac-12 and the Big 10 were saying, you know what, the experts have given us enough information regarding the health risks to our athletes, we're shutting it down. You know, it just smells like uh, the the whole liability issue has just reared its ugly head. And 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 uh, you know, I'm not suggesting that that they shouldn't be very wary of of young uh, athletes getting sick, and that they're they need to be protected. And we do not know the long term ramifications of 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 what COVID could bring. Um, so you have to respect the decision. It seems rather odd that two breaths before that they were, they were sending out the schedule and then the third breath later, they're canceling the season or at least moving it to the spring. So I'm sure there's a ton of disappointed athletes, certainly uh, fans and alumni. Um, There's obviously a lot of people that look at the uh, experience in college much differently and don't think that athletes should be uh, uniquely selected and, and, uh, having this sort of uh, pseudo-professional kind of approach to, to playing sports. So it's a very interesting topic. And then to see the other side of the coin, which is so amazingly driven by geography, that the three conferences that sort of reside in the southern part of our country are deciding to keep going and keeping uh, their, their schedule, uh, of course, inside the league, but as usual. So it just seems like we can find these dividing lines about everything we choose to do in our country. Um, and I just uh, sort of watch and see what the theater brings, but um, I think it's, it's, it's very complicated and it, it's not, it doesn't seem like it's going uh, Tom. It doesn't seem like it's, you know, it, it's this animal that's just looking for, for wood to burn. And there's just no way around the fact that we have ex- experienced an enormous amount of death and tragedy related to this. And we know that uh, it's very transmittable. So how do you keep people from getting it, even if they don't show the symptoms? And how do you stop it from spreading? We haven't figured it out. 
Uh, before we dive a little bit deeper into that, uh, before the plug was pulled uh, by the Big Ten Conference on football, Ohio State head coach uh, Ryan Day made his case for the season to move forward. Here's what he had to say on ESPN. When we were on quarantine, you know, I was honestly worried about some of their mental health. Now that they've been able to come and practice together and get back together on the field, uh, they look healthy again. They look great, and, and they really want a chance to play. Now, they want to have a voice. They want to choose, and that's all the information they've been giving me. So I think it's my job as the head coach to advocate for them. Uh, but but they've done an unbelievable job up to this point, and and they and they just want to keep fighting every day. They want to be together, and they've all they've all shared. They, they feel like, uh, and this is this is coming from them. They're safer here in our facility playing football than they would be without it. I'm not the only one to say that. Our our Big Ten coaches, when we get on the call, they've all said that they want to play football. And so uh, we want to support our guys the best we can and advocate for them to give them the best chance possible to play. So, Bill, there's Ryan Day ma- making his case. Um, I, I want to talk. What's really fascinating about this is you have two conferences that are saying, you know, we've got very obvious health issues that, that we cannot overlook. Well, you know, there's there's either science or there isn't. So I, I'm curious it's just odd. You have two conferences saying this is a no-brainer in essence, and you have three saying we're gonna we're gonna push forward. Um, you know, I think it's kind of a, a a bit of a scary time, I would think, for athletes in the Big Twelve, ACC, and SEC, and their families wondering, in the wake of the decisions made by the Big Ten and the Pac-12, if their young men are they guinea pigs? Are they part of a larger experiment to see what will happen. Well, you know, certainly the, the one thing we haven't touched upon is the, the enormity of the money uh, and, not, and how much that rules decisions that are made at the college level. And certainly there's going to be, because of COVID, uh, it's going to be a real wrecking ball to the whole fabric of, of collegiate sports across the board, especially those that cannot, can't uh, afford uh, the, the, the football itself without having a game where they go someplace like Ohio state and get their brains beat out so they can keep the rest of their sports intact. But, you know, I, I, I think there's a certain amount of that, but I think it, it has a lot to do with this culture and political lines that the people that are living in these Southern South Sun self sunbelt States have taken a different attitude toward this pandemic. It's just played out that way, hasn't it? Am I missing something? And yeah, uh, it certainly hasn't been nearly as uh, thought about that way in some of the northern northernmost states. So um, that's concerning because uh, we just haven't had an overall federal strategy to figure out how to best, you know, control the spread of the uh, pen, of the uh, virus. Um, and I think there's just so many unanswered questions, like you said. I mean. Can my son, who's playing football at Clemson, do I feel safe with him playing? And do I worry about his health? And I think that we all know that young people can get it and young people can spread it. And the the, the most scary part is the people that are older that have uh, compromised health, health issues that are going to suffer because of this particular decision. So... How do the coaches coach the players? Um, you kind of have to wonder about that, right? And uh, until you have a really fully formed bubble, you can never feel truly safe. 
Well, one of the health issues that that the Big Ten and the, and the Pac-12 pointed directly to was a, an inflammation of the heart condition that has occurred in a number of athletes, and that is a a big red flag that you mentioned uh, potential liability issues. So, you know, health and liability obviously uh, go hand in hand. You know, I, it's interesting, Bill. We we've heard for years from the NCAA, and we know, frankly, it's it's a whole lot of BS. Is that um, especially when it comes to college uh, football, that, uh, you know, th- these are students first and athletes second. They're really no different, Bill, than any other student on a college campus, but you can go right to the testing. For example, at the University of Alabama uh, and in the Southeastern Conference, the football players are going to get tested twice a week. That is not the case for the general student population. So, I mean, if I'm a parent of just an, your average student, I'm thinking, well, wh- why is the athlete worthy of two tests per week, but my son or my daughter isn't? Now, there are protocols. I'm not saying they're not taking it seriously, but it's not an equal playing field, if you will. No. And uh, they're, they're, they're being put in a unique circumstance because they are such huge revenue drivers and uh, they're, so, uh, uh, they're such a gravitating force around football and schools and alumni and just everything that comes in the coffers of these schools is being driven like nobody's business by, by big time football. And so whatever those privileges are, they're going to get them. They're going to get the extra tests. They're going to get whatever it is because the school's lifeblood depends upon it. Um, and whether or not that's right or not, um, you're going to hear it. You're going to hear those folks that will think that it should not be that way, that their son or daughter should be treated equally. Um, but we all know that's not true in life. Right. Um, so, and we still wrestle with the idea of, uh, players being used sort of as a, as a semi-professional athletes, I guess. If you want to look at it that way, that the purest sense of of amateurism is certainly not being played out. Um, it's 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 an incredibly difficult thing what they're what they're wrestling with, and the unknown is even more challenging because it's it's taking um, athletes' opportunity. A lot of these a lot of these players are never going to play professional sports, and you're just taking and chopping such a huge hunk out of that part of their lives you know, that they've dedicated themselves to wholly. And I, I look at all the sports that way. So, um, but I think you have to, you know, and it comes down to just a headless horseman, right? The NCA just has no leadership. And so, uh, you know, it, I guess it sort of fits with uh, the rest of the way things have been run in the United States, right? Kind of a headless horseman and we leave it to smaller uh, entities to make decisions and they all are doing it in, in an eclectic fashion. Well, while this has the potential to be to become a real mess in college football, um, you got to tip your cap, Billy, to what's taken place in the NBA. They they have found it seems the most effective model to get back to sports, at least on the professional level, and and that's the bubble in Orlando. There have been no positive tests. The quality of play, Bill, I think, has been tremendous. This is this is like the the greatest AAU tournament ever on steroids. Uh, the league has done a terrific job, I think, working with with what they have. The players seem wholly uh, committed to it. 
Um, and, and we're on the we're on the verge of playoffs that actually seem legit, a legit season, a legit playoff thing. I, I think Adam Silver and on down in the NBA, they've got to feel very good about what they've they've done in a very difficult circumstance. You're 100 percent right. And you're talking about uh, big, high profile athletes that have, you know, all these concerns and have uh, big lives and families and and all these kinds of things. But yet there's a collective glue that's brought them all together to raise the the uh, the greater good of the game. I mean, they're all getting paid. Let's be real. But the Go greater good of the game that they're bringing them, themselves together to make this happen for an enormous fan base and for their own pride. And there's only a limited amount of time you can play the game. So there's a lot of things that contribute to uh, why this is doing so well and why the players are so connected and motivated. But I think Adam Silver deserves a ton of credit for building this bubble and to making it strict and to making it, uh, you know, the way it is to keep these athletes healthy and, uh, and and so that the game can move forward without you know some serious breakout the, the kinds of problems that baseball ha- is wrestling with right now basketball isn't now is it logistically possible for baseball to have done what basketball has done it sort of seemed like it could have been done but uh, they chose not to go that direction whether it's because the players association uh, has has more power and clout and individual players speak up and and they, they don't quite act like the NBA players in that sense. Uh, I don't really know the, the answer to that for sure. And baseball, just because they've had some of these problems, doesn't mean that they're not going to be successful. But the NBA has certainly uh, become sort of the poster child of how to do it right. Yeah, and I think you also have to give credit to what the WNBA has done in Florida as well in their bubble and the NHL with a slightly modified uh, situation where they have, in essence, two bubbles. And maybe that would have been something, two or three bubbles yeah. um, for Major League uh, Baseball may have uh, set themselves up to have a, a little bit better situation. We're going to talk baseball in just a second. I want to get back to uh, what I think could be a really fascinating first-round uh, matchup. A, a good chance out west, uh, the Lakers as the one seed will take on an eight-seed in the Portland Trailblazers. Now, you spent time in Portland. You grew up in, in Oregon. You know all about Blazer mania. Um, what Dame Lillard has, uh, well, not not just in the bubble, but let's focus on the bubble. He has been lights out. He had a couple of missed free throws, may have cost his team a game against the LA Clippers. And since that time, he's had two remarkable games, most recently 61 points uh, the other day. Just incredible stuff. Um, so, but I'm going to pose this question to you. We're, we're both Northwest guys, um, and this this is when you sit down at a at a bar with a buddy. You know, when you could go into a bar, Bill, uh, and not risk your life. Um, you, you can only pick one, Bill. I'm going to give you an option. You can only pick one of these two players: Dame Lillard or Clyde Drexler. I get to pick one. You got to pick one. Let's say you're building a franchise. You only get one of those two. You got a Hall of Famer in Clyde the Glide. You got a guy who's certainly on his way to the Hall of Fame in Dame Lillard. But if you could only pick one to build a team around, which one do you pick? Well, I, you know, I'd pick Dame Lillard because he just brings that element of, uh, of pure uh, shooting and playmaking. And, and, and uh, I, I think with Drexler, you, you, the game was structured differently. Today's game is centered around the, the, the smaller guard that he has this freedom to make plays and has a ton of dribbling freedom and you can't hand check. 
And it's just a different game. And three-point shooting is at a premium. When Clyde Drexler played, we played attack the basket, try to get to the highest percentage and size and matchup meant much more. And the three-point shooting was a dumbed down a little bit. But if I have my druthers, and, and Drexler is a highlight film to be watched, whether you can see some of his amazing flying plays in the open court at Houston or with the Blazers. He was, you know, he wasn't Michael Jordan, but he was a, you know, a, a similar facsimile. How's that? That's not a good two-word phrase. But um, he was a spectacular player, a sp- explosive player. Um that could be dominant at times, but I, I choose Lillard for his uh, playmaking and an unbelievable shooting and shooting in the clutch. Yeah, it's 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 hard to argue, but uh, yeah. I know Blazer fans still have a soft spot in their heart, and for good reason for the time that Clyde uh, spent in the Rose City. Uh, they, they have been blessed with some. You know, you're lucky I didn't throw Dave Twardzik into that <laughs> question. That would have just thrown everything, everything off. Well, Let's move on to some. Blazers, uh, that's uh, yeah, that's a love fun, them. Fun, fun team. They were great. Oh man. Love him. Walton at his best before uh, the injuries started to gobble him up. Maurice Lucas. Oh, you're getting me off on a tangent. I got to come back around. Uh, Let's let's shift to some baseball. As the Astros continue to be involved in news, in controversy, the recent brawl with the Oakland A's, one of their coaches, Alex Cintron, 20-game suspension for inciting that brawl. Uh, Joe Kelly who had a, a little bit of an issue with the Astros earlier this season, Bill. He got sus- suspended for that on a podcast this week. He referred to the players who were involved in that sign-stealing scandal who did not get punished as snitches and rats. This Astros team is not popular. No, and they're actually getting off easy because if we'd have had a regular season – these, these guys would have taken an unbelievable amount of abuse in every park they played in. I really believe that. And I think it would have fed upon itself because the 24-hour news cycle would always be looking for the next crazed uh, uh, outbreak of uh, a fan reaction, right? And I think we would have had a little bit more of a, a take aim and fire kind of uh, thing. I think there would have been a little bit more gunslinging uh, with uh, the Astros because we saw it coming in spring training. You saw it some guys uh, take umbrage and, and drill some of the Astro players and they had to kind of put their head down and take it. Right. Now I'm not suggesting that should happen. I mean, I think the punishment didn't feed the crime. I mean, I think that should have had a number of players that got 80 game, game suspensions. I think they should have cleaned the front office out. And I think the owner should have had to sell the team. That's pretty, that's pretty bold. I know, but that's, that's how I feel about what happened now. What has happened uh, with these skirmishes? I mean, Joe Kelly, he needs a little work on his uh, on his English because snitches, we actually needed more snitches before Mike Fears finally yeah, did snitch. Point. We needed snitches to, to come up and have the have the the uh, the the, uh, the guts to say what was going on. They all kind of admitted they should have said something, the ones that weren't involved but never did. Because of this whole, what you see here, what you say here, what you do here always stays here. That's sort of the, you know, the, the mantra of being in a pro locker room, right? Well, this is something where you got to use common sense in your own, you know, moral compass, right? Which didn't happen. Uh, Joe Kelly, interesting guy. You know, these bullpen guys t- 
Tom. They're they're a different breed. You never know what they're going to do. You know, it was like he got coached up. He didn't even play. Uh, you know, he didn't even play for the Dodgers. He was with the Red Sox, I think, when uh, all this was taking place. But um, and then this latest fight where uh, Cintron decides to take and have a screaming match with Loriano and, and goad him into you know coming after him. I mean, he took a pretty heavy pill. Twenty games. Uh, for, a third of the inside. season. Now, the fact that Loriano, second time he got hit, got hit by a, a backup slider. I mean, I think you kind of need to put your head down and go to first. That's what I think. You get hit by a slider, and, you know, just go to first. And I could get hit by a baseball smart, tossed you know? underhand, and I would be in the hospital. <laughs> so, so I think uh, he was. You I, know, but I understand your reaction on his part, and he's the he's the, at the, for the first part of the season. I mean, the A's are all starting to click now. He's been their best player. You know, he's got the number one WAR in the league. He's a good player. I mean, and to yeah. lose him for eight games is a big deal. So uh, not not real swift on his part. I tell you what, Bill. For for episode one, I, I'm optimistic for the future of the podcasting industry. I, I think there's 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 something there's something to this. Hey, great stuff. Um, we'll do it again next week, everybody. That is Bill Kruger. I'm Tom Glasgow, and that is episode one, season one. We're off and running on the Sporting Views. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs>